Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of The Jared White Show, recorded February 20th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. I'm so glad you could join us for today's show. I'd like to remind you that you can go to patreon.com slash essentiallifejared to be a supporter of this show and all of the other content I have on my site at jaredwhite.com. So check that out for all kinds of goodies and special access to chat rooms and more, or if you would just like to support this show going forward. Again, that's patreon.com slash essentiallifejared. All right, so you heard me talk about this in last week's episode, and it is here today. For the meta segment, I will give you my five predictions for social media in 2019. That's right, I have five predictions, and we're going to go through them starting right now. So my first prediction is that a niche but large social network will adopt open web federation protocols, and the Fediverse will get a massive shot in the arm. So to break this down a little bit, my prediction is that some kind of site that does social networking type stuff is going to interoperate with the rest of the federated social networking universe using ActivityPub or something along those lines. Uh, So I I have a theory of one that might do this. Uh, I'm not saying it is the one that will do this, but I would love to see this happen and that is Flickr. Yes, folks, that's right. My hope is that Flickr will join the Fediverse. Now, why would they do that? Why would SmugMug, the owners of Flickr, go to all the trouble to add this kind of support to Flickr? And my contention is that it would immediately make Flickr the de facto method of publishing photos and consuming photos in this new world of open web social networking. I think it would not only be incredible PR for Flickr, but I think it would make Flickr appeal to a lot of folks that are sort of on the fence about either the Fediverse or Flickr. So in other words, it will legitimize both immediately. So people that are currently using Instagram and are maybe unhappy with it and think maybe they could switch to Flickr, but they're not sure if they want to limit themselves just to the world of Flickr. They're not sure if Flickr is viable enough or has a strong enough future. If all of a sudden they see that Flickr is going to interoperate with Mastodon and PixelFed and all these other Fediverse platforms out there, if they see that happening, it's going to make Flickr seem more legitimate. Uh, Conversely, it's going to make the Fediverse seem a lot more legitimate in the eyes of the mass audiences out there. So, you know, as much, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, as much as the Fediverse is growing and thriving right now, it's still very niche. And to have a social network that's somewhat large, but is also sort of on the fringes, suddenly uh, join this world, it would be a huge shot in the arm. So I think this would be cool. I hope it happens. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if I, but my prediction is that either Flickr or somebody else will do this. Prediction number two, Mastodon will double in size. Yes, that's right, folks. I'm predicting that at the end of 2019, the Mastodon world, all of the different Mastodon instances out there collectively will have twice the number of accounts as they did at the beginning of this year. 
And so here's here's why I feel like that's doable. At the beginning of 2019, uh, the total number of accounts across all the different Mastodon instances, there was about 1,886,000 accounts. And it was growing at a clip of about 33,549 accounts each week. Uh, now, that's not quite the number it needs to hit in order to ensure that that number every week will double Mastodon in size by the end of the year, but it's very close. So at the beginning of the year, it was looking likely that this would be possible. Now, uh, right now, the number of accounts growth each week is actually around 15,000. So that's not so great. So my prediction, as it's looking right now, is not likely to come true. But the beginning of the year, if it kept going the way it was, my prediction would come true. So my contention is that even though things have slowed down a little bit now as compared to the beginning of the year, it could pick up again at any time. All you need is some big press blitz in some way or some high-profile influencer-type person joins Mastodon and makes a big deal out of it. All you need is some catalyst, and all of a sudden, you're going to have a huge swarm of new accounts signing up. So, so that's my prediction. Prediction number two is that Mastodon will double in size this year. Prediction number three. I predict that big creators will launch a rival video service and ditch YouTube. I'm looking at you, Casey Neistat. Seriously, I feel like YouTube has done a lot of different things to tick off popular video creators. And if it's not one thing, it's another. And at some point, I just feel like some folks are going to band together and, and think to themselves, you know, the, the main thing YouTube does is handle hosting of large video files and all the transcoding that happens. But there are plenty of other services that can do that. There's plenty of video APIs out there that can do all of the kind of video hosting and transcoding things that YouTube does, which just leaves the YouTube audience, the YouTube discovery features. That's the reason you'd want to be on YouTube. But if you're a huge creator, if you're someone like Casey Neistat, you could go anywhere. I mean... Casey Neistat gets millions of views anytime he puts out a video. If he all of a sudden decided to put stuff out on his own site, if he created, I don't know, CaseyNeistat.com and put all his videos just on there, he would get tons of views there. Trust me, Casey Neistat is not hurting <laughs> for audience. And so I feel like he and some other people are going to get together and decide to launch a rival video service and it's not going to be run by Google. It's not going to be run by a company that has its own interests. It's going to be run by basically a shell organization for creators. It's going to be for creators, by creators. Maybe they'll team up with Patreon and do it that way. I don't know. But I, I think something's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be Casey Neistat leading the charge here. But I, I really think the time is ripe to have an alternative to YouTube. I think that's going to happen. If not this year, maybe in a year or two. All right, moving along to prediction number four. I think federal legislation in the U.S. will pass this year at some point, and it will challenge the data collection habits of Facebook and other similar companies. So I think at some point this year, there's going to be federal legislation that gets passed that's going to severely curtail the sort of unlimited data appetite <laughs> of Facebook and these other companies that are doing this kind of surveillance capitalism type stuff. I don't know if it's going to be as comprehensive as we'd all like, 
maybe it's going to be little more than just some slap on the wrist kind of things if if something really egregious happens but i think something's going to pass i would be very surprised if we finish out 2019 and there's just absolutely no legislation on the books and finally my fifth and last prediction for social media in 2019 Twitter will actually do reasonably well and weather this current storm of people upset with social media. I think they'll just kind of bypass some of this ire. They'll just keep on doing what they do, making strange UI choices, annoying people. But overall, I think Twitter will just be Twitter for better or for worse, and people will use it who want to use it. It might not grow a lot, but I don't think it'll shrink a lot. I think it'll just kind of chug along. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, Twitter is definitely too big to fail. Um, so unless they do anything really stupid, it will just be what it is. Uh, we might not like that. We might want Twitter to do a lot more, but I'm not holding my breath. And I have a bonus prediction for you kind of along similar lines. I think despite everything that's happened and even possibly a little bit of usage shrinkage. Overall, I think Facebook this year will just continue to be a financial juggernaut, and it'll continue to be the big elephant in the room for social media. I just don't see a whole lot changing. Unfortunately, I would love to see, you know, I would love to see a huge shift that causes Facebook to reevaluate how they're doing everything, Um, but I just don't see that happening. Maybe, maybe if robust U.S. federal legislation does go through that really has a big impact. Uh, this might change, but but that's my, uh, that's my bonus prediction. Facebook will continue to be the financial juggernaut it is, and therefore they won't have a whole lot of incentive to dramatically change anything they do. All right, so that closes out the meta segment, and on to the link segment. Welcome to the era of foldable phones. Yes, Samsung has a new phone out and it folds. It's called the Galaxy Fold. And the link is in the show notes about this new phone. Like all of the foldable phones that have sort of been shown off in various prototype sort of forms. uh, It's sort of weird. It's sort of funky, but it's also sort of amazing, sort of magical. I don't know what to think about this, to be honest with you. I don't know if foldable phones is going to be a thing. I have no plan to get one. If this was an Apple product, I still wouldn't have any plans to get one because I just think the concept is a little bizarre. I'd really have to be convinced. I'd have to see these in use out in the wild. Somebody would have to demo one for me for me to to sort of get it. I just don't get it right now. But But if you are into the idea of a foldable phone, if you want something that's slim in your pocket that you can pull out and that sort of expands into a tablet, uh, you know, go for it. Go for it, I guess. (laughs) But I won't be getting one. Uh, Next up, Fred Wilson over at AVC.com, because he is a VC, (laughs) hence the name of his site. He uh, wrote an article called The Convergence of the Phone and the Laptop. Uh, And it's kind of about this sort of shift of thinking where instead of having a laptop with laptop computer software installed and then a phone with phone software installed, uh, increasingly people are thinking of just phone software as the de facto. You know, if you get an iPad, for example, all the software you're using is basically phone software. That's that's its heritage Uh, Even if it does a lot more, you know, with the bigger screen and capabilities of the iPad versus the iPhone, 
uh, you're using uh, smartphone era software, and it's very different from the era of, of laptop and desktop computers. And so, uh, by and large, I agree with this article. I think uh, we're already seeing this happen now, but certainly in, in a few years down the road, um, it's it's going to be a deliberate choice by a select group of people to use computer software on computery devices like laptops and desktops. The the default's just going to be to use a smartphone or a tablet, and to use the software that has been built for that paradigm. I just think that's that's the way we're headed. I think even Apple sees this, which is why you see them taking steps to to make it easy to port software from the iOS platform to the Mac platform, because the likelihood that people are going to develop Mac software first and foremost, I just think that's, that's a dwindling percentage. Uh, instead, you're going to see people develop primarily for uh, iOS, for example, or for Android. And then if there's an easy way somehow to sort of port that to a Mac or Windows platform, for example, um, you know, you might see that happen. But uh, anyway, good food for thought. Check that out. Uh, up next, this is something that is just so cool. It's just absolutely wonderful. It warms my heart. <laughs> and uh, it's a, a bunch of people got together and uh, joined forces with CERN in 2019 to to basically build the World Wide Web browser, like literally the first ever browser that was called World Wide Web. It has been rebuilt as something you can load up in your web browser. <laughs> so literally, if you go to a certain link in your web browser, you'll see a recreation of the original Next Step operating system from the 90s. And you'll see a recreation of the World Wide Web browser in its very pixelated early 90s glory. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, you can actually visit modern websites and in many cases get something usable. So for example, if you use this World Wide Web browser and go to jaredwhite.com, it's actually readable. You can actually see things that I've posted lately, and it does work, <laughs> which is pretty outstanding. So uh, definitely check that out. It's very nostalgic. It's very cool. Uh, they they basically got something running that is just like what Sir Tim Berners-Lee invented originally in the beginning of the 90s that started the whole web revolution. And for today's image segment, here's something very cool. Uh, Peter Adams posted on his Instagram page a photo of Elizabeth Feindler, and she is somebody that I had not heard of, which is a shame, because you should all know about her if you want to have any knowledge of web history or internet history. Uh, she built and ran the Network Information Center, or NIC, for the ARPANET, which of course was the precursor to today's internet. And she developed what is just an incredible legacy. She invented the top-level domain name scheme. That's right, .com, .net, .org, .edu, etc. She came up with that idea. She came up with that as a way to help organize domain names, to help organize addresses into logical categories, and started off just an incredible revolution of information categorization and really what made the web and the internet what it is today. Uh, so, so this is very cool. Check out the photo. Check out the bio of Elizabeth Feindler. It's something you really want to know. 
we have done a terrible job as tech historians, generally speaking, documenting the contributions that women have made to tech development. Women, uh, surprisingly or not surprisingly, uh, they have often been sidelined and just forgotten. So we really need to remember this stuff. And it's really cool to learn about Elizabeth Feindler's role in the creation of the internet and the web. And last but not least, creator of the week, Ken Knapsack. I've been a fan of Ken Knapsack for quite a while now. I first learned about him through his work with Collider Video. He's been on a lot of shows like Movie Talk, Jedi Council, which is a great show all about Star Wars, and a few of the other shows at Collider. He has his own YouTube channel. He has a podcast, which I haven't really listened to, so I'm sorry, Ken. But what I have watched many, many times and why I'm recommending Ken as creator of the week is his series, Motivations with Ken. Motivations with Ken is so funny. <laughs> he, he, he pokes fun at the whole AMSR. You know, this YouTube phenomenon where people talk in this slow whisper. And everything they say is very quiet and whispery and slow. He makes fun of that whole thing with these great motivational speeches, which are kind of uh, Dilbert-esque in nature. <laughs> All kinds of funny stuff about... Uh, working at the office, trying to get out there and do anything even remotely interesting. Uh, he just pokes fun at that, pokes fun at that whole phenomenon on YouTube. Uh, he does this crazy thing where he drinks whiskey and wears a bathrobe. Just the, the whole shtick is just hilarious to me. Every time I watch this, it's so funny. So check it out. The link's in the show notes. Motivations with Ken. Ken Knapsack is today's Creator of the Week. All right, folks, that's a wrap. That is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my five predictions for social media in 2019. I'll, of course, do a follow-up episode at the beginning of 2020 to see how I did, to see if anything I said came true or if it was all a bunch of nonsense. But uh, hopefully at least one thing in there proves accurate. Of course, you can always go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to get the show notes and information about this episode and all the other episodes. And please be sure to go to patreon.com slash essentiallifejared to become a supporter of this show and my other content at jaredwhite.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Jared White Show, Jared White Show. He is so cool, and he's also my daddy, Jared White Show, Jared White Show.